Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who has a very busy day today because, according to my sources, Brandon Siegel got a call last night from John Harbaugh because the Ravens need another quarterback. So Brandon is driving to Cincinnati right after this podcast. He's suiting up for the Ravens, and who knows? He might get his number called. You never know. Brandon, how are you doing? Look, I'm doing quite well. Uh, I wish I possessed the talent to help the Baltimore Ravens uh, because they need it. They need a lot of help. Uh, The quarterback play is going to be lacking. We've seen that all season from anyone not named Lamar Jackson. Um, So, you know what, Trevor, I really wish I had that talent. I unfortunately do not have that talent. Um, You know, in my day, I quarterbacked a little bit, uh, you know, when we're playing two-hand touch, 2v2. Uh, and even then, I mean, Ben, you've seen my quarterbacking ability. Uh, of course, if you're a member of our podcast, Ben O'Brien, Ben, what, uh, what draft grade would you give my quarterback ability, uh, from what you've seen? I, mean, I wouldn't even give you a grade because you're not tall enough to see over the offensive okay. line. I don't even know All how you right. can do your job. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we have a fun podcast today, uh, that has nothing to do with anything that was just said. Uh, of course, we got to start off talking about the college football, uh, final uh, the national championship game, we had Georgia absolutely destroy TCU, 65-7. Um, whoever picked TCU, what a dumb decision. Couldn't be me. I would never do that. Uh, so definitely don't go listen to our last podcast where we talked about it then. Um, unfortunate loss for TCU. They did not play a great game. We saw an incredibly dominant Georgia team, um, as I feel like most expected would happen. Uh, I don't personally have like a ton to say on this. Uh, Trevor, I'll start with you. Is there anything you want to comment on this game uh, after this just beat down? Yeah, I mean, it was just a letdown of a game, obviously. Everyone wanted it to be a, an entertaining game, a fun game that was close, came down the wire. That's obviously not what we got. You know, and, and Georgia wins at 65-7, winning go away. I mean, it was over, like, before halftime. And it's unfortunate because, obviously— um, for the sport of college football, you know, they obviously want fans tuning in. They want them to be watching on television for the entire game. And I, I would guess, um, and, you know, it's a pretty safe take, I would say that a lot of people probably turn the game off uh, in the second half, if not sooner. So an unfortunate game, you know, and it kind of seems like, you know, I mean, we had like a pretty good semis. I think both games were really good, especially the Georgia-Ohio State game. And it always seems like you can't have it all, right? You can't really have your cake and eat it too. Either you get a really good semis um, in a bad championship game, or it's kind of the reverse. Maybe you get bad semis games and you get a good national championship. I think it's pretty rare where you get three really good games. It's hard to do that. So, hey, I'm not going to, I don't want to complain too much because we did get those two good games on New Year's Eve. Uh, Unfortunately, this one didn't live up to. Um, what, you know, I mean, Georgia was a heavy favorite, so it's not like a lot of people thought, uh, that TCU had a real chance, but, um, obviously no one, I don't think many people expected this. So that's really all I have to say on the game itself. Uh, Ben, what about you? Any thoughts on this game? Just, I mean, it's just a bad game. Uh, I I think, I think I watched it for maybe the first 10 minutes. I mean, I, I turned it off before the end of the first quarter because it was just like, it was so clear that, that. TCU was was outmatched in pretty much every category possible. Um, I mean, Georgia's just a just a superior team to pretty much anyone, maybe except for Ohio State. Um, so it it just it was such a clear mismatch from the very beginning. Um, 
And it, it was almost like that first drive for TCU. They went three and out, and it's like, all right, there's a game because they're not going to be able to stop Georgia, so they're not going to be able to keep up with them now. Um, just a terrible game, not a good game. It was probably that's probably the least amount I've watched in a national championship game since this probably probably since these playoff this playoff format started. I don't know, like seven years ago. Um, just a bad game. Now I will say I was surprised when I woke up and it was sixty-five to seven or whatever. I I thought at some point Georgia would have called off the dogs, but I guess that wasn't the case. They they absolutely established themselves as the premier team in college football this year, and I I don't think that's changing probably for the foreseeable future. Well, Ben, you can't call off the dogs when you are the dogs. You can't. Okay, that it's was, not possible. That was so corny, Trevor. That was so corny. I will say in this and another the dogs. part that They're I, the bulldogs. I, another thing I, I noticed was like, did you notice that because the stadium's not like a dome, it was like kind of raining in there. Like oh, there was really? rain falling onto the field, kind of. Um, yeah, and and from what I've heard, like I, I saw people tweeting about it. Apparently, the side that TCU fans were on, their end zone is the end zone that was getting rain uh, was getting uh, rained. Ah, that's unfortunate. Um, so not only were they getting destroyed, but I think because it's not a real dome, there's like an opening. It's basically just like a stadium with like a canopy over it. There was rain falling into the stadium, and it was on the side of all the TCU fans. Um, and I guess like the concourses got super slippery, and people were like falling and like getting like like carted off into like ambulances because they were like breaking their legs oh slipping God. on the concourse. Because for whatever reason, Los Angeles is trying to be trendy and like just not close the whole thing. Um, so just a terrible night for TCU fans. So Ben, I have a question for you. Let's say your college football team, like let's say, I guess you don't really have one. Let's say Bowling Green was in the championship, national championship, right? Mm-hmm. I understand we're already give it a year, but yeah, I think they'll be there next here, year. But just bear with me. Yeah. If you got killed sixty-five to seven, would you leave the game at any point? No, I, I, I agree. Never, no There's way. no I mean, way it, I leave. Again, it, there's no way. It depends. Like, if you're a TCU fan, no, and if I'm a Bowling Green fan, no, because there's a small chance exactly. you're probably ever going to be back. If you're an Alabama fan and you're getting destroyed, or even like an Ohio State fan, yeah, because there's a good chance that yeah, at some point back. you'll probably be back. So I think it depends on the circumstance. But me personally, I would never leave. There's yeah. no way. All right. Well, that's enough comfortable talk for, for this season. I think collectively, though, we talked about this a little bit. I, I think it was a good year. A lot of good college football stuff happened. Mainly, Ohio State fans got put in their place, and I think that is a win for everyone. Um, let's move on here to some college basketball highlights. Trevor, we've had a lot of ranked teams lose in the last couple of days. Why don't you break down a couple of the scores that you know kind of spoke to you? Yeah, I mean, this was, it just, get, every week, it's it's wild, and I've said this before the podcast, if I, if I came up here and I had, like, a bold take on this college basketball season, or I had a bold take on a team, I feel like that take would be immediately disproven in, like, a few days, because it feels, it's so chaotic, there's so many upsets, um, and it's really hard to know, like, who who is actually good in college basketball? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I don't think anyone knows the answer to that question. Who is actually good? Maybe okay, so maybe Houston's good. They've been they've been pretty consistent. Maybe Alabama's good. They just beat LSU by forty points yesterday. I think they're good. Um, you know, Kansas seems to be good, but all these games they're winning are nail biters. So it's like I, I don't know, maybe Purdue's good. But it's really tough to figure out like who is actually good when we have so many ranked teams losing to unranked teams. I mean, just yesterday, we had a total of 11, 11 teams that are ranked in the AP Top 25 lose to unranked teams, which, is, which just saying that sentence is pretty wild. And you can go through it and look down like Kentucky, who is not ranked, they beat fifth-ranked Tennessee. On the road, they go to Knoxville. They beat Tennessee on the road. I'm not going to mention them all, but Oregon, 
at home, they destroy Arizona. Arizona, a team who I thought was really good. I, I really loved Arizona. They get beat by 19 points on the road against Oregon, a team who's really been struggling this year. They have a lot of talent, but they've been struggling. Vanderbilt, they at home beat Arkansas. Vanderbilt's not a good team. They're one of the worst teams in the SEC. But they beat Arkansas. And you could just keep going down the line looking at these teams. Indiana beats Wisconsin. Creighton beats Providence. Uh, New Mexico beat San Diego State. Clemson beat Duke. So it's like, it's just wild to kind of think about and kind of figuring out who is actually good in this sport. I mean, it's still January. We have a couple more months before we get to March. But I don't I don't know if we're going to know here until we, we get closer to March, until we at least get to late February. Maybe um, a couple weeks before the tournament, we'll have a better feel. But it's really difficult Um you know, the only other thing I wanted to talk about today was the race in the SEC in general as a conference, because I think the SEC is a conference that I've probably watched the most, and I think it's also one of the best conferences, um, despite the fact that, um, as all conferences are in college basketball, it is it, it is also kind of hard to figure out because some of these teams are inconsistent. But in the SEC, I, I will say that I do think Alabama has kind of cemented themselves, and again... This might be this might be uh, a bad omen for Alabama. I, I don't know, but it seems like Alabama has cemented themselves at the moment that they're the best team in the SEC. It seems like that because Alabama has, in my opinion, the best freshman in the country in Brandon Miller. I think Brandon Miller. I mean, he's been phenomenal. He had 31 points last night, 22 in the first half. I mean, at, at the first half of this game, Brandon Miller had 22 points. The whole team of LSU also had 22 points. The The first half score was 59-22. Just absolutely wild. Um, and I think he's got to be at least a top five pick in the NBA draft. I think, personally, and again, I, I don't know. There's certain guys I haven't watched a ton of, but I think he's at least fourth. Um, I, I That's probably where I would have him as fourth um, if I'm making an NBA mock draft because Brandon Miller, to me, is the best. Uh, I, I think he's definitely the best NBA draft prospect in college basketball. Currently, he's awesome. He could shoot it really well. He's even starting to show uh, more of an ability to get be aggressive and go to the rim and finish through contact. Something that I think he struggled with earlier in the year, but I, I've seen it. You know, I've seen it every now and then. He's starting to do it a little bit more. So I like that from Brandon Miller. Um, but if you go through some of these other teams, Tennessee seems like they're the second best team. But then again, they just got beat by Kentucky at home. So it's like, you know, and they're missing a lot of layups. Um, you can go to like Arkansas. Arkansas, a team who, I mean, Brandon, we drafted them in our draft pool. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked Arkansas for a reason. I thought they were a team that, you know, either they're the first and second best team as you see them in Alabama neck and neck. And I thought, you know, uh, back in December, I thought Arkansas was the best team in terms of uh, their ability to make a run in the tournament. Now, I no longer think that. And obviously, injuries are a part of it, but they're kind of struggling. So right now, the way I see the SEC is like Alabama's at the top. I think Tennessee is in that number two spot. And then after that, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit of a, a mix-up, you know, and it's kind of going to be a rotation between an Arkansas, an Auburn, a Kentucky Maybe even a Missouri. I think those four teams are all pretty solid, and then maybe there's another drop-off after that. But that's kind of the way I see the SEC right now, and I think it's going to be um, fun to see how it continues to shake out just because I do think, um, just in terms, I think in terms of my own enjoyment, I think the SEC is the most fun conference to watch. So that that's kind of why I wanted to talk about uh, the SEC today. Yeah, and I feel like, do you think... Like, Alabama is, like, the clear favorite, or do you think it's closer than that? 
Yeah, I mean, right now, they're definitely playing like they are the clear best team. But again, the way that college basketball changes so much, I I, I think it by March, it'll probably end up being closer than that. I would still lean Alabama as like, who's most likely to make a run in the tournament. I think it will be Alabama when it comes March as it is now. But I, I still, I'm not completely out on Arkansas because we don't know the status of Nick Smith. So I'm still hoping, I'm still hopeful that they will get Nick Smith back sometime in February and that that will help them, you know, maybe bolster a run. Obviously, Eric Musselman, he's come in and he's already had a really good track record. I mean, Arkansas has made an Elite Eight. They've had quite a few good tournament runs. So I'm still thinking about that. Um, And then, you know, a team like Kentucky, just straight up looking at the talent they have. Um, it, it's possible, right? Even in Auburn's not bad. So, and and then obviously Tennessee's in the mix. So I think these teams are all in the mix. And I think by March, the, Alabama, it'll be closer. But yes, Alabama right now is the best team in the SEC. Interesting, interesting. Well, any other college basketball comments before we move on to uh, professional basketball? No, I think that's about all I had. Uh, uh, ben, did you did you catch any college basketball this week, or is there anything uh, that you wanted to talk about besides VCU? Well, just in the SEC. Besides that, <laughs> in the SEC, it's a shame that that you see Kentucky at at two and three. It really is tough to see that. I, I feel very badly for those Kentucky fans that they live a tough life. Um, and Alabama's a football or a basketball school. Excuse me. I think that's that's been a fact for a while now. I said that like a month ago. I think it's still pretty clear. Their their basketball program is far superior to their football program at the moment. I would say that Nate Oates is probably the most famous person on that campus uh, at the moment. Yeah, that's a Mac Might coach be. right there. That is a Mac coach through yes, and through. Sir. Um, all right, let's move over to the NBA. Um, Trevor, of course, we got some big storylines in the NBA. I know Durant's out for a little bit. Um, I, de- I got some questions on the Cavs. It seems like they haven't been doing nearly uh, as good as they've done in over the the past. So where, where do you want to start in the NBA? Yeah, so I, I did want to mention like a couple big injuries. Um, we do have Kevin Durant, who uh, it was announced uh, earlier this week that he's supposed to be out for about a month, um, which obviously will impact uh, the Brooklyn Nets for sure um, without Kevin Durant last year um, because he had an injury last year in early January when the Nets were first in the Eastern Conference at the time. And they really fell back. Like they had a big fall. He was out for um, he was out for quite a while. He was out for longer than a month. Um, and they fell all the way back to like eighth or ninth. Um, I think they ended up finishing in seventh by the time the playoffs came around. Um, but I mean, this is going to be tough for Brooklyn because they've been playing so well. They obviously had that big winning streak that they were on. Um, you know, just just playing very well, obviously. And Kyrie's been playing really well. Ben Simmons, I mean, defensively, he's been playing well. And then I think in terms of creating for others, he's been doing well. As far as actually scoring without Kevin Durant on the floor, um, he's going to need to take a bigger role. Um, He's going to need to be more aggressive. Like, Ben Simmons doesn't have to, I I don't, I'm not asking for Ben Simmons to shoot three-pointers. I'm not asking for him to shoot mid-range jumpers. Just when you have a lane... um, and on a fast break, going to the basket, and it's one-on-one, you and another guy, you... There's no reason for you to pass the ball out for a three if you have a clear lane one on one. You're six foot nine, six foot ten. You should be able to, uh, you know, get a layup or get to the free throw line. Like sometimes it seems like I don't know if it's that he's afraid of going to the free throw line, um, afraid of you know drawing contact. I'm not sure what it is, 
but there are still there have still been instances where he's had like a couple plays where he could have a layup or he could have a dunk and he's like passing the ball and it's just kind of weird um they had the game against the Celtics that they lost and I believe he was 0 for 3 from the field he had zero points he had 13 assists and nine rebounds which is awesome right like 13 assists nine rebounds awesome stats but the zero points and the fact that he only took three shots is just kind of weird to me he definitely needs to be a little bit more aggressive so you know, that, I think that's going to be tough for Brooklyn. I do expect them to fall back a little bit because, obviously, we know what Kevin Durant means to this team. We know how important he is. And then, you know, another team that has a key injury, the Indiana Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton is out. Um, he's supposed to be reevaluated in uh, about two weeks. So, you know, we'll see what that does to the Pacers. Obviously, the Indiana Pacers are a team coming into this year that, Everyone thought they're going to be in the the race for Wembenyama. They're going to be tanking, and that obviously hasn't been the case because the Pacers have been really good. They've been, you know, a top five, top six East team the entire season, and Tyrese Halliburton has been a pretty clear All Star, I would say, before the injury. But now he suffers the uh, he sprained his left elbow. Um, it looks like he also has like a knee knee bruise. It looks like. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how long it takes for him to come back. They say reevaluated in two weeks, which doesn't mean he's going to come back in two weeks. It just means that he will be out for at least two weeks. Um, and, and we'll see how much longer it is. But the Pacers, another team that will take a little bit of a hit. Um, only other thing I want to talk about is just like some of these teams on the bubble. And the Pacers are one of those teams right now. I guess you could say they are eighth in the East. Um, and I think in the Eastern Conference, just quickly, I think after that top five, which is Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, and Cleveland, and, you know, I mentioned the Nets will probably be falling down a little bit, a little bit but I think in terms of uh, ability to contend for a title, those are the top five teams. That next tier is what I'm really interested in to see how it shakes out. You have the Knicks at six. You have the Miami Heat in seven. They're a half game back from the Knicks. The Pacers are uh, a game and a half back from the Knicks. And then you have the Atlanta Hawks as well in that uh, nine seed. And I think those four teams, who is going to be, can any of these teams go on a run? Can any of these teams have a good stretch of play here in the second half of the season that maybe puts them in the same tier as those top five teams? Can Miami do it? You know, Jimmy Butler's been playing well when he's there, but he's missed a decent amount of games. Bam Adebayo, I think, is probably having his best season of his career, um, particularly offensively. He's been playing better. So that's been a really good sign. But, you know, they still need to figure out, like, can they find um, someone before the deadline, like a piece around the edges, maybe someone who could play minutes at the four next to Bam that could maybe space the floor. Miami, I think, needs something like that. The Knicks have been doing really well. Um, we'll see if they can continue that good stretch of play. And then Atlanta. Atlanta's been a mess pretty much all season. Obviously, a team with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Collins, they have all this talent, but it hasn't worked out. So can they, you know, work it out? Obviously, Trey Young... I talked about before the season, like, can he play more like a Steph Curry than a James Harden? Well, it hasn't happened so far. He's playing more like a James Harden. He's not really doing a lot of the off-ball movement, and that's negatively affecting the Atlanta Hawks. It, it, it just is. That's just how it is right now. So we'll see if Atlanta can turn it around, but that's kind of the situation. And then the Western Conference, it's interesting because a lot of these teams uh, from seeds 4 to 13 are very closely um, related, you know, you have the Sacramento Kings, the four seed, they are 23 and 18. 
And then you have way down the Los Angeles Lakers in 13th. They're 19 and 23, which is only four and a half games back from the Kings. So that is 10 teams in that mix, four to 13, that are all jumbled. And it's a lot of parity. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. You know, I see the the Warriors climbing up the standings. Um, I could see Phoenix once Booker comes back climbing up the standings. But some of these other teams, Minnesota, the Clippers, Utah, what's going to happen with them? Are they going to go up or are they going to go down? And I don't know the answer to that. So I think it's going to be really fun to see uh, what happens. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think there's uh, there's some interesting stuff happening in the NBA, especially like I think if you look at the Cavs, Trevor, what's what's going on with the Cavs? You know, at a point in time they were like the two seed, um, and now they're all the way down to the five as it currently sits. Is it just injuries? Is it their play? What's going on with the Cavs? Yeah, so weirdly enough, uh, like Garland and Mitchell haven't played a lot of games together this season. Like it always seems like Garland's missed quite a lot of games and in games without Garland, they've still done very well. Like with Mitchell, um, you know, and, and other guys like Mobley Allen without uh, Garland, they played very well, even without Garland. So they haven't had a lot of time uh, with them together. So I think that's one factor um, just to take into account. Obviously a couple of these games they're losing are close. Like they lose to the jazz in a, in a really close game by two points in Utah. I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's tough. I mean, obviously, you could say, well, the defense can play better, giving up 116. Yes, I agree. And then you have the Tim Wolves game on Friday. Just seemed like kind of a, a bad game from both, from Mitchell in particular. I mean, he shot 5 of 16, 2 for 9. So a bad game from him. Um, but I still don't feel super concerned. I mean, you know, they lose to Denver. Denver's a really good team. None of these losses are, like, alarming to me. It's like, yes... You're a Cavs fan. You probably want better for sure, but it's not, you know, looking at some of these other teams and considering how much parity we have in the league, it's not anything that's super alarming. It's just like, okay, maybe there's a few things around the edges that we need to fix. You know, Mitchell coming out of the gates played at this incredibly high level. Um, You know, in some games he might not have it, you know, maybe he's not like Donovan Mitchell isn't LeBron James or Kevin Durant. He can't put up 30 points every single night. So in some of those nights where he's not, you know, it makes it harder for the Cavs to win, you know? So I I just think that's what it is. I mean, you know, we'll see if they can improve on the margins again. They still could try to make a move at the deadline. I I don't know if there's a piece out there that's going to fit for them um, at the three spot, but there still is a chance that they could add something that can really help them. Interesting, interesting. I know they kind of need that, like, I guess like a swingman three kind of, right? Like that kind of is a type of play that yeah. really benefit them. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's keep on moving along here, though. Get to our final topic on the day, which is, of course, the NFL. We are currently in, um, you know, the playoffs. We just start, we started the wild card round. We've had some of them. Uh, if you guys haven't seen, we did post our predictions on the smallballers.com. Um, you guys can go check that out. If I remember, I'll link it. But if not, just go to the website. It'll be the first article up. Uh, one of us is two for two on predictions, and the other one, you know, two of us are only one and two on predictions. I'm hoping the night game tonight also is an upset, just like we saw last night, um, but we'll see. Let's start with our cross-off, uh, challenge. Trevor, Ben, we did not win. We came close, but we did not win. The, the Jaguars... What's the reason why we didn't win? The Jaguars. Oh, the Jags, duh. Yeah, the Jags messed us up pretty bad. 
there was a point in time I told you guys, I was like, I think the Jaguars are really, really good. And then they sucked, and then we crossed them off, and now they just won a playoff game against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Uh, so not the best from us crossing them out, but, I mean, what are you going to do, right, Trevor? Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because you and I both like the Jags early in the season, and then they started to lose game. I mean, they were starting to lose games. It seems like they had, like, the first four games. I think they might have been 3-1, and one, or I, I don't remember exactly. But then they had a bad stretch where they went, and at some point I think they were, like, 3-7 and seven or something like that. And we just kind of said, well, looking at the record, like, it's it looks very difficult for them to, to kind of – you know, get back to a point where they can make the playoffs. And it's just kind of like playing the numbers game. They're three and seven. How often are teams that are three and seven can come back and win, you know, make the playoffs. It's pretty unlikely. Um, But they were able to do it, even though Brandon, you and I, I think you in particular, you know, were really high on the Jaguars for a decent portion of the season. And I think for good reason, like this team is clearly very talented. They have a really good quarterback. They have some, you know, decent pieces uh, with on receiver running back. So, you know, I think we were right at the time to think that, you know, they, they were a team that could be really good. They had potential. Um, and they, it, it took them until, what, week 11 to finally start clicking. Um, and, you know, we see that, obviously, last night, another kind of encapsulation of what the Jags are, I think, a team that's kind of all over the place. At times, they can look terrible. At times, they can look awesome. Yeah, I they're a weird team. Uh a hundred percent, like very, very weird team. Um, but look, they're here. They messed up our challenge. We lost that one, but we do have uh, some winners to be had in SVP bets. Our bets are all over. Uh, ben, you have technically won three of the bets. Uh, you won our overall bet, which is the average points scored uh, by you know kind of anyone in the league. I can give like the actual number. I didn't even have it up because I was like, oh, it's not even close. Um, let's see when I pull it up. Uh, it ended up being 21.9, um, and you guessed the lowest number at like 22.4, I think, right, Ben? Was I think it was 22.2 yeah. maybe? I don't know. Something, Something like, like that. that. I can I can actually look it up. It's, uh, yeah, you, you did 22.2, uh, Trevor did 22.4, and I did 22.9. So you won that one pretty handedly. Uh, ben, you beat me in, what was it, Herbert versus Allen touchdowns. Um, so you, you beat me there. Um, you beat Trevor in Brady versus Burrow touchdowns. That one wasn't even that close. Um, and yes, you won all three of them. Trevor, I won our bet between Lions and, uh, Panthers, uh, wins. So yeah, those are the final results of our bets. We've been, you know, we've had this going for like four months. Um, the bets we made at the beginning of the season and you can see, you know, how, how we did there. Um, which I, I, I think overall, you know, Trevor, you, you were bad. You weren't, didn't do so good, but Ben, you did quite good. So congratulations, Ben. You were the overall winner of SPP bets. The f- first year, the inaugural year of SPP bets. Uh, anything you guys want to say, Ben, you want a, a, a victory speech here? Yeah, I just, obviously I, I, I want to thank, thank my players, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. They had a fan, they had fantastic years. Um, even despite playing one less game than, than their opponents, um, and then obviously I want to thank you two for, for giving just a terrible guess on the, on the, uh, the point total, mm-hmm. um, 22.2 wasn't, it was the, I was the obvious answer to give. You guys went too high. Uh, I expect one of us next year, probably just to guess one, just so they can have the lowest, but who knows? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't win in that situation. 
Oh, you're right, because you can go over. Yeah, we we didn't say if there was well, a tiebreaker. Right. Oh, I got a long time to think of my strategy for next year. I got a long time to think of my strategy yeah. for next year. Yep, 100. Um, percent All right, I guess we'll we'll quickly go over the games that happened yesterday. Um, I I mean it's you know by the time this is recorded comes out you know the other games will be some of the other games will be played. We'll, we'll at least see one game probably to completion, and it'll be right around when the Giants Vikings start. Um, but we can talk about the two Saturday games. First game on the board here was the Niners-Seahawks. Guys, I think the Niners look pretty good. I, I, Trevor, you texted us before the game. You're like, I, I'm feeling good about the Niners. And I think this this one kind of reaffirmed it, at least for me. I I don't know if they can win with Brock Purdy. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's going to be tough. Um, but I think he has the chance to get them there, especially with the Eagles kind of fluttering in the injury department. Uh I think there's a good chance the Niners get there, uh, Trevor. What do, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think for a few weeks now, I've kind of had this feeling that Brock Purdy really is not much worse than Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think yesterday confirmed that. I think he's, I think he's just as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. Frankly, I, I don't. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, what, what was he like? The twenty third best quarterback. He wasn't, like, this insanely great quarterback by any means. So the fact that, like, I get Brock Purdy's Mr. Irrelevant, he comes in seventh-round pick, you know, all the odds against him. Yeah, what you know, I, I get all that. But, like, it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo was lighting the world on fire He or playing super well. So I think Brock Purdy is arguably just as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. I really don't think it's that big of a change. Um, and this team keeps rolling. And I think right now they look like the best team in this conference and at the moment, you know, we'll see how Philly plays next week. You know, we don't know. Is Jalen Hurts going to be 100%? There's a bunch of questions, but I feel a little bit better than them than I do about the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward. And, you know, if you want to throw the Cowboys into that conversation, you know, you can. I think they have a lot of talent as well that, you, you know, you could say they're capable of making the Super Bowl. But right now I do lean toward the 49ers, and they played a really good game. And it was it was just so impressive. I mean, Brock Purdy had three touchdown passes, um, and he had a rushing touchdown. So very impressive. No turnovers for Brock Purdy. No interceptions. The 49ers score 41 points, and that's very impressive. Um, the defense maybe didn't play quite as well as what I expected necessarily, um, but I do still think very highly of them. And obviously, when you have a guy like Debo Samuel, who's like the ultimate like yards after catch guy, like it just seems like every single play. He catches the ball, and he's like guaranteed to break at least one tackle. It's pretty much a given. So this team is so talented. Christian McCaffrey, I didn't even mention him. They have so much talent on both sides of the ball, and I think they have a real shot to win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. I do not think um, it would be wild at all if the 49ers, that three weeks from now, were Super Bowl champions. It, it definitely would not be out of the picture. I think they have such a talented team. Now, I think your Brock Purdy take being as good as Garoppolo is pretty crazy. Um, he's definitely not as good. I think he had a much better game this game, and I think if he can play at a level like he's playing now, which is which is very good, a very good level, uh, to say the least, then he'll be able to keep them in. It's going to be interesting when they get down to it and they play, like when they play an Eagles defense, you know, he's not going to have as fun of a time. So we'll see. I think they definitely could make it, and I, I, I almost would bet on him at this point, um, but we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, about that. Ben, any any thoughts on this game before we move on to the next one? I think it just showed how much talent the 49ers have. I mean, they just have talent all over the field. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, like I don't know the answer on Brock Purdy. I would kind of love to see him look fantastic in these playoffs and then the 49ers be put in a situation where it's like, what do we do next year with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy? 
Um, but they, I mean, they have so much talent around them that, I mean, he, I thought he looked great yesterday from what I watched. I think he, he is small. I think if he can limit the amount of hits that he takes, I, I think he could be a good player. The issue is if he starts taking a lot of hits, I think because he's not a big dude, I think that those hits will pile up quickly on him. Um, but obviously he's a freak athlete. And as long as you can get the ball to McCaffrey and to Debo Samuel and to Ayuk and whoever else on that offense, and as long as you have a defense um, that's good enough to, to, to keep up or to, to limit the uh, the opposing team's offense, I mean, obviously, as long as you have Nick Bosa on your team, who's probably the best defensive player in the NFL, top two at the very least, um, you got a good shot. So, I mean, that 49ers team looked fantastic. And yes, I know it was the Seahawks, and that's a team that they know very well. But, I mean, the Seahawks have been a decent team all year, and they looked far superior to them they were kind of toying with them a little bit on offense with McCaffrey so um I was very impressed very very impressed with the 49ers I'm like you said I'm very interested to see how they would do against a team like the Eagles who are much much better than the Seahawks but I don't think I would be shocked in the slightest if if you see the 49ers playing in Phoenix in the Super Bowl this year I really wouldn't be that surprised at all I think they're that good yeah no they're 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 a very solid team very very solid I, I got a lot of faith in the Niners Let's move on to the Chargers-Jaguars, the significantly better game of the day. I unfortunately did not get to catch this game, so I, I'm, I'm relying on you guys here uh, to give your thoughts because I know, you know, it was like, what, 27 nothing at a point in time? Yeah. Um, I mean, yep. it, it was pretty much, like, chalked. Um, and the Jags somehow ended up winning 31-30. Um, ben, let's start with you. I, 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 I know you caught a little bit of this game. Uh, what do you think about this just wild comeback by Trevor Lawrence and the Jags? Yeah, I mean, I, I caught the beginning of the game. I watched about the first quarter, um, and Trevor Lawrence looked terrible. And it was one of those things. It's like I almost felt bad for the Jags fans. Cause it's like that's such that sucks to like you have that great of a season. You win all these games in a row. You, you spend all this money on on a ticket to that game, and then you watch your team just be embarrassing. Um, so I I turned it off, and then of course what I was doing is every like ten minutes I was checking the score, and it was like oh twenty seven, fourteen or whatever. Oh twenty seven or uh, you know thirty to to twenty or whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's 30-28, and I'm like, all right, I feel like i got to turn it on. So I ended up watching the end of the game. Um, and it seems like, again, I didn't really watch it, but it seems like Trevor Lawrence played much better in the second half. Uh, and the Chargers did what the Chargers do. This is what the Chargers do. They they blow leads. They lose games. They have no business losing. Um, Brandon Staley, I think a lot of people are frustrated with him because, again, it's one of those things. If you're going to be the guy that does all these analytics, this new age head coach where you go for it when – Conventional wisdom would say it makes no sense to go for it, but the computers say you do. That's fine if you're winning, but if you're losing, it just gives you know it gives everyone so, uh, another reason as to why you're failing as a head coach. So it's definitely a gamble that, that the type of coaching that he does. And yesterday, it seems like it did, didn't work out, and that's been a kind of a constant theme with this team the last couple of years under Brandon Staley is that they blow these leads, they can't hang on to a win when they need to. Um, so I mean. I don't know if I really don't know if the answer is the Jags won or the or the Chargers lost. I think when you blow a twenty seven point lead, it's hard to say that the other team won. I think you lost. Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit the Jags. They're a good team, and I've been low on them all year. But obviously, they're a good team. They've won a billion games in a row. Um, but I I think it's pretty impressive when your quarterback throws four interceptions in the first half, two in the first quarter, and you um, still win the game. So. Shout out to the Jags. Again, if they play the Chiefs next week, it's going to be tough for them. We'll see what, what shakes out with the rest of the playoffs. But interesting game at the very least. Um, and the Chargers are going to do what the Chargers do, which is blow leads. They have no business going. 100%. Trevor, uh, final thoughts on this game? Yeah, so, I mean, it was the tale of two halves, which, you know, I, I talked about, like, the encapsulation of the Jaguars. This is what they are. Like, 
They, they look really good one moment, really bad another. I mean, in the first half, it was, you know, it was 24 nothing at a certain point. I, I turned the game off. There was some great basketball on. I, I decided to switch over. Um, you know, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had four interceptions in the first half. I think one of them was arguably a pass interference. It was, you know, a tough call. But, uh, you know, got to give credit to Asante Samuel for how he played. Uh, the son of, you know, former Pats legend. Um, obviously have to mention that he's really good, um, had a, had a great game getting three interceptions in this game for the chargers. But once the half changed, you know, and the Jags were able to get the one touchdown at the end of the half to make it 27, seven, but you, you saw the momentum shifted, obviously they, they cut it to 13 and then they got it to a point where it was 30 to 20. And, you know, the chargers, like they did have some drives where they were moving the ball in that third quarter. Um, and maybe, yeah, I think it was like late third quarter. They were up 30 to 20 and they were driving the ball. They got into a place where they set up their kicker for a 40 yard field goal. Um, and that could have obviously made the game, uh, 33 to 20 and the kicker missed the 40 yard field goal. It kind of, it went up. It looked like it was good. It curved left, um, and went wide, but that was kind of, uh, weird to me. Obviously that's just, you know, it's just one play. It's one thing that the Chargers did wrong. But there were obviously many more things as well that the Chargers did wrong. Wrong. I mean, you had the, you know, the Jaguars get up thirty to, or it's thirty to twenty-eight. They cut it to two. They get the two-point conversion to make that happen, and then the Chargers have the three and out. Um, and Trevor Lawrence just all all the second like in the, throughout the second half, he had so many great throws. Obviously, really good drives. There were a couple throws that he made that looked pretty similar. Like he threw one touchdown pass to Christian Kirk where he was kind of like, I uh, stood back in the pocket and Christian Kirk, you know, went out to the right toward the pylon and he made a nice throw. It was a tight window, like over the shoulder tight throw. And then he made a similar one. I think the following drive that was, I think maybe even more impressive on the right sideline where he was like, Trevor Lawrence was like, kind of like almost on the left side of the field and he threw it, you know, clear cross to the right side to Christian Kirk. So just some really great throws by Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Talk about going from like zero to hundred. I mean, Trevor Lawrence went from literally playing one of the worst uh, playoff halves a quarterback could have to one of the best in the second half, which is uh, a big change and just an awesome win for the Jaguars. I mean, you know, everyone's going to be talking about the Chargers' playoff history, but I mean, the Jaguars. This is just a great win for them and a great win for their fans. You know, and I just saw a video of Trevor Lawrence. You know, he was at a, a Waffle House last night. I mean, just I think that's just further evidence that Trevor Lawrence is truly built for this. To go to a Waffle House. That's a Florida man moment, right there. At any moment, you never know what's going to happen at Waffle House. Trevor Lawrence is truly built for it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, look, he, he's going to be the man there for, for many years to come. Um, let's let's do a couple, you know, little insights into the games today, because obviously some of them are going to be played when this comes out, when most people listen to them. We've already made our predictions on the article uh, that's on the website, thesmallballers.com. Go take a look at uh, that article so you can see our, our little predictions. It's a short one, so it's a quick read. Uh, Dolphins-Bills, Ben, one quick thought on Dolphins-Bills, 1 o'clock game. Yeah, the, the Dolphins are playing third-string quarterback, so I, I don't think you really have to say anything else. Awesome, about that game. awesome. Trevor, close. I'm letting you do the 430. Giants-Vikings, one quick thought. 
Yeah, so Giants-Vikings, I mean, I basically sent an article, but I expect this to be pretty easily the best game of the day. I think it's going to have a lot of chaos, and I think the Giants are going to win. And what I would call the small ballers game of the day, uh, as it features two of our teams. Trevor, I'm letting you make the comment on the Ravens-Bengals game, because I'm surely not going to, and I know Ben won't. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, you know, and I think Ben kind of agrees with me on maybe at least part of this. I don't think the Bengals have been playing quite as well um, recent weeks. Now, they're still a better team than the Ravens. I, I do still think they're going to win, I would say, by about 10-ish points, maybe like a 20 to 10, maybe a 24 to 13. Something like that is kind of what I expect. I think the Ravens will keep it close for a while. I could see like a tie game at the end of the first half. I, I think that's possible if the Ravens are able to get, you know, a turnover or a weird special teams play. I think their defense is fully capable of, of keeping this interesting for at least a little while. But at the end of the day, you know, you need a, a solid quarterback to win you a playoff game. And Lamar's out, so the Ravens don't have it. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Look, like I said, I hope there's uh, an upset like there was in the night game yesterday and the night game today. But we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, any final thoughts from you guys on the episode today? Podcast topics, anything. From either one of you before I wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, I think we should definitely talk about the Bucks Cowboys. Um, oh, oh, I forgot about the Bucks Cowboys. Be... You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's a forgettable game. Who cares about Tom Brady? <laughs> well, most people listen to this probably Monday morning. Um, so this game is actually relevant, and we could actually go a little bit more in depth if we want. But um, with this game, I, I think, I mean, I think the Cowboys are going to win. Um, you know, it's interesting because the Cowboys—they're another team that. People are going to say, oh, the Cowboys, what will go wrong or what can go wrong will go wrong with the Cowboys. And I get all that stuff. Um, but overall, they, they have the more, uh, you know, they've had the better team all year. I expect them to win. I get that Mike McCarthy is not a very good coach. But, you know, Dak Prescott, this offense that he has around him, maybe he will throw an interception. Maybe it'll be an interesting game if the Bucks defense um, is able to uh, slow down that Cowboys offense. They can keep it interesting. But at the end of the day, I, I do still think this Cowboys defense is solid enough to where they're going to cause discomfort for Tom Brady. I think they will get pressure to him. I think there will be you know a couple sacks, uh, a lot of QB pressures. I expect that, and I think that will make it tough for Tom Brady. He, he might have some drives, um, particularly late in the game, where they have a chance to, to bring it back, tie it up. But I, I could see a situation where the Cowboys have a lead you know, early mid fourth quarter, maybe by 10 to 14 points, maybe Brady puts together a really good touchdown drive, but you know, maybe they don't get the ball back or, or something happens. I think at the end of the day, the Cowboys are going to be able to win this by a touchdown, maybe 10 points. I, I do, you know, this is no reverse jinx. If this was a reverse jinx, I would say Cowboys by 30, but I'm not up here saying Cowboys 30 by 30. I think it's going to be uh, a one or a two score game. I think the Cowboys will win by about seven or 10. Um, but the Bucks play calling has not been good all year. You know, Tom Brady, he's going to be forced to, uh, you know, make some of these deep throws in tight windows, which historically he, he can make, you know, very consistently this year hasn't really been the case. So that's, what's going to be tricky here for the Bucks. And I think they will fall short. Interesting. Interesting. Ben Cowboys Bucks. Here, Trevor, I got you. Uh, there's no way the Bucks win this wow. game. It's literally impossible for them to win. Um, absolutely impossible. There's no way Mike McCarthy messes up this game that bad to where they lose. I'll say that's all I gotta say, Trevor. I'll do it for all you. Right. I definitely don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, the Bucks have a decent shot of winning this game. I wouldn't pick them, and I don't think I did pick them. 
Um, but the, the opportunity's there. I mean, the Bucks are playing better. Um, they've been on kind of this uptick, so I, I wouldn't say there's zero hope uh, at all. I think that's a, a wild take, Ben. Ben, I, I love how you, you always call me out for, like, reverse jinxing, like, my teams when I, like, actually think those things are going to happen, and then you just blatantly do it. I think that's bad juju. I make it very clear I'm doing it though. You just refuse. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I, I do told it. you. I, I don't believe. I don't believe the Cowboys are going to win by thirty. But I'm going to say it so they don't. I think your reverse juju so adamantly is bad juju. But we'll have to wait and see. That's fine. We'll have to wait and see. Nah. Okay. Well, one one more thing I think I want to point out, and I heard a po- on a podcast where someone made this point, and I thought it was a pretty good one. Tom Brady all season has gotten the ball very quick. He's afraid to get hit. He doesn't want, you know, I mean, he doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want any risk of injury. This is a playoff game. I think things are going to change. I think Tom Brady will be willing to stand the pocket for an extra half second, extra maybe whole second. And sometimes there are certain throws where that could be the difference. That could be the difference from making a a good completion versus just throwing it into the ground. So I don't know. It's one other thing just to keep in mind, but I do still think the Cowboys are going to win. Interesting. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap up the pod there for today. I think that we kind of reached everything. Um, have fun watching football today if you listen to the podcast today and tomorrow. Um, of course, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. We really appreciate all the support. Go check out our website, thesmallballers.com. We'll write articles. Trevor, are you coming out with an article tonight? You think it might be out tomorrow because of the football? Uh, plan on finishing it tonight. Ooh, all right. Look, Trevor is the man, the myth, the legend over here pumping out the articles for your guys reading uh, wants and needs. Um, definitely will be a great one. Please go check that one out. Um, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave five star review if you enjoyed. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.